0: Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, A Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Christy and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, March 26th. Today we are reading from the big book. We are at page XIII and we are reading the very first paragraph. Today's readers are Amy, Robin, Marsha, Katie and Du. The reference number for Monday, March 25th, is 4155. Again, that's 4155. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Du to read the 12 steps, please.
1: Good
2: morning. This is Du, Recovering Compulsive Overeater. Um, The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives have become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. 7. Humbly asked them to remove our shortcomings. 8. Made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. 9. Made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for the knowledge of His will for us and for the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive over and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank
0: you, Du. I will now ask Anne S. to read the traditions, please.
1: Uh, hi, good morning. My name is Anne, compulsive overeater, the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever nonprofessional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the O.A. name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We, may, we need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communications. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. i thank you and I pass.
0: Thank you, Anne. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we will resume our study of the big book. We're on page XIII and we're in the very first paragraph. I will ask Amy to begin reading please.
3: Good morning, my name is Amy. I'm a compulsive reader from Maryland. Good morning everyone forward to the first edition this is the forward as it appeared in the first printing of the first edition in 1939 we of Alcoholics Anonymous are more than 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body to show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book for them, we hope these pages will prove so convincing that no further authentication will be necessary. We'll help everyone to better us. Many didn't understand the very sick person, and we are. Our way of living has its advantages for all. Wow, what an awesome awesome paragraph loaded with lots of great stuff. But let's remember, this is the forward to the first edition. This is 1939. And yet we hear the words recovered and no further authentic- authentication. So convincing. These are a hundred men and women who had recovered from co- from alcoholism. And they were so sure that their specific method of recovery would work, they said they recovered. Heck, recovered is on the title page that we read about yesterday. They are sure that they have found a way so convincing that if they wanted to write a book about it and they wanted to share the message. And this is what they've done as we read and continue to read through the first 164 pages. They have laid out a method of recovery. It says here we are very sick people. And what I, when I hear that, I remember when I first walked into my OA meeting how important it was to hear that this was not an issue of willpower. This was a seemingly hopeless state of mind of body. And what they're referring to here is the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind. This wasn't just about will person. I wasn't a bad person or uh, someone that didn't have any willpower or something like this. I was a sick person, and I needed a prescription for recovery, and that's what this forward is saying. We, we have that. We have a way to get yourself out of this hopeless state of mind and body that we no longer have to have the, the stuff in our system, which causes the allergy, but even, even better is to be relieved of this merciless obsession that warps our minds so that we get back into the food against all consequences. We find ourselves back in the food again and again and again. You know, why is that? We're going to go forward into the doctor's opinion and it's going to tell us things like this. Men and women drink or eat essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. The sensation is so elusive that while they admit it is injurious, they cannot after time differentiate the true from the false. To them, their alcoholic or compulsive overeating lifestyle seems the only normal one. They are restless, irritable, and discontent until they can again experience the sense of ease and comfort, which comes at once by taking a few drinks or a few bites. Bites and drinks that they see others taking with impunity. After they have succumbed to the desire again, as so many do, and the phenomenon of craving develops, pass through the well-known stages of a spree, emerging remorseful with a firm resolution not to drink again. This is repeated over and over and over again, and unless this person can experience an entire psychic change, there is very little hope of recovery. So these are the things we're going to learn about. We're going to learn about why I am who I am. All about compulsive reading from a doctor. We're gonna, you know, segue into Bill's story. We're gonna learn more about alcoholism, and we're gonna learn about how it works. What is this precisely? How we we recovered part. It is so hopeful here. There is so much that is offered here, and they are so positive that if we follow this prescription, we will be recovered. And I can tell you that it has happened for me, and there are many on this line that it has happened for them. There's not some secret combination here, folks. This is the solution upon which they all agreed and put down on this book and said, here is the path to freedom, to peace of mind, and freedom from this merciless obsession. And with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Amy. Is there anyone else who'd like to comment on this paragraph? It's Monica. Monica, go ahead, please.
4: Good morning. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Wow. What hope here in this first paragraph. We of Alcoholics Anonymous are more than 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. To show other alcoholics precisely, exactly, specifically, how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book. And I wanted to point out we. Who are these we? The we are the first 100 recovered people, recovered alcoholics, who got together and penned this book. And it was pointed out to me, you know, Monica when this is being talked to you by a hundred people who have come together, who have gr- agreed on this, you know, it's, it's, um, it's easier to agree with them than just one writer. You know, I w- I'm going to be arguing, if I need to argue here, I'm going to be arguing with a hundred people instead of one person. You know, a hundred people who have recovered, and they are trying to tell me... For- how they did it, then they have recovered from a disease that's trying to kill us. And it's good for me to realize this, that this isn't just one person writing their opinion here. This is a hundred recovered. Recovered from what? From a hopeless state of mind and body. And I definitely had a hopeless state of mind and body when I came into O.A., And the other thing I wanted to bring out, alcoholic is a very sick person. Yes, we are sick physically, mentally, and spiritually. And yes, it was good to fear that too. That gave me hope too that I had a disease, that it wasn't just willpower and determination, that I had a physical and mental disease. And these 100 people gave me so much hope here, that here was going to be instructions you know like a recipe here if i follow exactly the recipe as they are giving it to me i will get the same result they did what hope and with that i pass
0: thank you monica would anyone else like to share on this paragraph this is kim kim go ahead
3: good morning christy good morning my fellows my name is kim i'm a recovered compulsive overeater from south jersey And this always gives me the chills when I read this. To show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book. You know, OA and AA have some beautiful literature, some deep understanding of history, some some sharing of experience, strength, and hope. But the only book that says it will show you precisely how they have recovered is this book. This is the textbook. This is the exact clear-cut direction. All the other books are just reflections on people's experiences. So this is the book that we need to study. And how is that? Because in any problem-solving process, we need three things. We need to know what the problem is. We need to know what the solution is. And we need to know what the plan of action is. And my humble opinion is one of the big issues we have in LA is we don't understand the problem. We don't understand what that hopeless state of mind and body is. We don't understand about the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind because we don't study the doctor's opinion. But those precise directions are in this book. And for those of you that are in this book, I just want you to turn back to the table of contents for people who say, well, how how can I work the steps? How can I work the steps? So if you go to that table of contents, here's your plan of action. The doctor's opinion will describe to you exactly what that problem is. It'll tell you about the allergy of the body. It'll tell you about the obsession of the mind. And then Bill's story will bring alive the progression of this illness. That is step one, the doctor's opinion, Bill's story. There is a solution. We'll ground in the problem, let you know there is a solution, and let you know how to find that. And on page 25, it's in squiggly writing, there is a solution. And then more about alcoholism will tell us about the insanity of our disease. You know, step two says came to believe in a power greater than ourselves that could restore us to sanity. It's telling us we're insane. And more about alcoholism will tell you about the insanity. And then we agnostics will tell you about that power that you need. So that's steps one and two. How it works is steps three and four. It'll tell you about your selfishness and your self-centeredness. It'll tell you how to make the inventory. And then into action is steps five through eleven. It will walk you directly through that process. And then in working with others, you will learn how to carry this message. In step 12, we've had a spiritual awakening. We are carrying the message in the chapter, working with others. And how do we practice those principles in all of our affairs? into to the wives, the family afterwards, the employers. And a vision for you will let you know what to expect as you go on this journey. The clear-cut directions are laid out here, and all we have to do is jump in this book, study it, and we will become recovered. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Kim. Who else would, I would like to share on this paragraph? This is um I heard Rose and then Do. So, Rose, why don't you go ahead?
5: Thank you, Christy. This is Rose, a recovered compulsive reader, and um, on the heels of what Kim just said, and, and when we read this paragraph, I knew I needed and wanted to share because the sentence, um, that the beginning sentence, we of Alcoholics Anonymous are more than 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. <clears throat> uh, that was me last March 1st. I was in a seemingly hopeless State of mind and body. And um, on March 1st, I started being taken through this book with a recovered compulsive overeater um, to show me the next sentence how alcoholics precisely how we have recovered. And I was shown precisely how she was recovered and the pages of this book for me um have proved so convincing that i can state here today very gratefully 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 on my on the vision for you meeting that i need no further authentication for uh convincing me about one my disease into the method of recovery. I know in my heart and soul um what my uh where my recovery comes from. And um uh the rest of the chap the rest of the paragraph also has become alive for me that I have I do comprehend that I am a very sick person with an illness, with an allergy to my body and with an obsession in my mind um and with with so much gratitude i that's all i wanted to share because it's not a past tense it's something very present and alive for me and um extremely grateful to a vision for you which as i said is is my home group it was my first phone meeting last september and it remains to be my daily nourishment of people um ahead of me sharing their experiences out of this book. Um with that I'll pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Rose.
4: Do go ahead.
2: Good morning, this is do compulsive overeater. Recovering compulsive overeater. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to we Alcoholics Anonymous are more than one hundred men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body and then it says to show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book and twice we see the word dare recover what does that mean what does recovered mean well the definition to recover is to regain get back obtain again what was what, what one has lost to bring back to normal condition the act, process, instance, or duration of recovering. Fine again improving in health. And, you know, we, we need to understand that recover does not mean that we're cured. And to give an analogy of what that, um, what that looks like, uh, consider someone, because uh, it says that we're very sick people, alcoholics. And consider the, the, the person that has cancer. And, you know, and the cancer spreading through their body and they go into treatment and the doctor helps them through chemotherapy and other medications to retract that and, and keep the cancer from spreading and, and keeps it from, uh, it goes into remission. And so they're relieved. They're relieved from the cancer. They're, 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 they're temporarily expelled and and the cancer has been removed, in a sense. It doesn't mean that that person doesn't have cancer. It means that it has gone into remission. It means that it has been temporarily removed and that person has been relieved. And they can live a normal and happy and fruitful life and they could live a very long time. You know, Um, however... That does not mean that they're cured because if they don't keep up with the treatments, the disease will come back and will overtake them. And that's it precisely what the alcoholic is. You know, is someone that is restored, has, has the disease expelled, has the disease removed or driven out, but it does not mean that they're cured. Once an alcoholic or compulsive overeater they're always a compulsive reader alcoholic and and but this book shows us precisely or exactly how we can have that disease and go into reprieve and be relieved from it and be relieved from the obsession and I consider the big book like like a cookbook and and the pages here, and the instructions are like a recipe. And if I follow a recipe exactly, precisely, I'm going to get the same result for that for that recipe. However, if I take it upon myself to um, add two or three cups instead of two cups, or you know, add more ingredients to to the recipe than I actually need, then the results are going to be very, very different. So these people are saying we are sure that our way of living has its advantages for all if we follow them exactly, precisely and actually the way they have have outlined them. And um and they're sure because it's worked for many, many people. And when they wrote this book in nineteen thirty nine, it said more than one hundred men and women. Today we're in the thousands, millions of people that have recovered, you know, from this. And they're following the same recipe that has always been there. It's never been changed. Uh, it's been four editions um, that they've done. One was in 19. 19- 1939, that was the first edition, the second edition was in 1955, the third edition was in 1976, and then the fourth edition was written in 2001, and we're in 2013, and it still has not been changed. It still remains the same, and it's still working for many, many, many millions,
0: and with that, pass. Thank you, Du. Well, this is Christy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And I identify as recovered because I have. I have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And as Du just said, you know, we are not cured. I am not cured. I am not cured, but I am given a daily reprieve based on the maintenance of my spiritual condition, which is what the big book promises me. And to be recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, you know, I thought it would be kind of a scary thing to actually think of myself as recovered because, you know, I mean, at any moment I might pick up the food. Um, and then what? You know, what does that mean? Uh, what, what being recovered today means is that I can walk by a candy dish at work and not and not have to, you know, turn my head the other way and run, you know, to the other side of the building to avoid it. You know, I don't, I don't do that. I have no desire to eat that just because it's there or because I'm having a stressful day. I have no, you know, my first thought today when I have a stressful moment is not, is not to eat food to get over it or get through it um, or to handle it. I, I do not have those thoughts. I do, they've been, they've been removed from me, um, you know, which is nothing short of a miracle. It is nothing short of a miracle, but that's the purpose. That's the purpose of this book. That is the purpose of this book. Um, you know, for me, I had no ability to pause. I had no ability to pause. I had no ability to stop and say, okay, what's really going on here? I had no ability to pause and take a deep breath. I had no ability to identify what was going on. I had a feeling, boom, I was in the food. Before I even knew it, I was in the food. All of a sudden, I'd be eating and I would think, how did that happen? How did that happen? I mean, I was completely oblivious to... You know my thoughts and actions, and I was in the food before I even knew what happened. All of a sudden, I'd be stuffed once again, and I would think, "Wow, how did that happen?" I wasn't going to eat again. I told myself I wasn't going to eat again, and um, you know, I mean, what what putting the food down in the first place and digging into the big book has done for me is completely transformed me. You know, that spiritual awakening that we are promised has happened for me. And, you know, I I, I just want to, you know, take you to the 12 and 12. In step 12, which says having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, as the result of these steps, we've tried to carry this message to alcoholics, compulsive overeaters in my case, and practice these principles in all our affairs. What is a spiritual awakening? It says the most important meaning of it is that he has become able to do, feel, and believe that which he could not do before on his unaided strength and resources alone. He has been granted a gift which amounts to a new state of consciousness and being. And further down it says he finds himself in possession of a degree of honesty, tolerance, unselfishness, peace of mind, and love, which he had thought himself quite incapable. That is the spiritual awakening that has happened for me as the result of, you know, taking my, my head out of the bag of food and putting my head in the big book. And, you know, as, as Kim said earlier, you know, starting at the very beginning of the big book. I didn't start in the middle of the big book and try to figure out what they were talking about. I needed to have an understanding of what my problem was and to be taken through, the, you know, the entire 164 pages of the big book. And then I could certainly read the stories in the back of the book, which I have done countless times, you know, in, since September 9th of 2001, which is the date of abstinence, um, that I have. And I have not picked up the food, not once. Without exception, in those 11 and a half years, I have been abstinent through all life has to offer. I've not found it necessary to eat food. Um, You know, and there's nothing in here, nothing in the big book, even though I came into recovery, even though I darkened the doors of, you know, the rooms at 340 pounds at my top weight. There's nothing in there that says, you know, you're going to be able to tuck a shirt in and wear a belt now. You're going to be able to buy clothes in a regular size store, which is great. Don't get me wrong. I'm grateful that... You know, countless times a day I can run up and down the stairs at work. I don't take the elevator. I, you know, work on the third floor and I take the stairs up and down. You know, I can do those kinds of things. I can run in from the parking lot, you know, because it's freezing in Minnesota. And I can run from my car, you know, in the parking lot to the building. You know, I can do those kinds of things that, you know, being at a maintenance wait for 10 years has given me. But, but the, the thing that I am the most grateful for, most grateful for, and the most necessary for me, the most necessary for me, is that spiritual awakening. Because if I think the same way I've always thought, I'm going to get what I have always got. And I am absolutely going to go back to the food. I am absolutely going to go back to the food. So today I am grateful, grateful to be recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And with that, I will pass. Is there anyone else who would like to share on this paragraph before we move on? This
3: is Helena. May I share?
0: Sure, Helena. Go ahead.
3: Good morning. Um, I am thinking about, while everyone was sharing such terrific sharing, and just on this one paragraph, which started out this book uh, when people picked it up for the first time when it was first published in 1939. And, you know, I understand that Bill and Dr. Bob met in 1935, so about four years have passed and they've been successful with 100 people, really successful, complete recovery here. Not cured as was said, but recovery, people living day by day with no fear of alcohol and no return to alcoholism, reunited families and living in a different way. These are changed people. And they're going to give us precise directions how this happened. You know, for a while I realized that um, it's almost like a catchphrase. When somebody says, Are you, you know, working the steps according to the precise directions? It's almost like we can recognize each other. We are taking this book seriously. It's like a catchphrase by which I know that other recovered compulsive overeaters are really following. And that word precise just keeps coming back into my mind. You know, when I follow a recipe, I change it all the time. I go with what I have in the house. You know, I'm, I was thinking about, and then I get something that's okay, but maybe not the exact product. But this is telling us that to get any results, half measures availed us nothing. You know, we had to let go of our old ideas absolutely. that The result was nil until we let go. Absolutely. We have to follow this precisely down to a T, a mathematical formula, you know, X plus Y equals Z. If I take away Y or I change Y, I don't get Z. I don't get anything that looks, that makes any sense. And so I'm just uh, really excited that this one paragraph, the first thing that we would read if we were reading this book for the first time back in 1939, just so exactly described the hopelessness of this disease, the recovery, that it is here. And we can promise you, you can have it, too, if you follow precisely what's written in here. Pass.
0: Thank you, Helena. Anyone else?
3: Yes, this is Amy.
0: Amy, go ahead.
3: Hi. Sorry to double dip, but I feel very strongly about this thing. I would like to expand on the fact that it says, many do not comprehend that the alcoholic is a very sick person. I mean, this was pretty groundbreaking in 1939 to say the person was a very sick person. I mean, most at this point people were being locked up in insane asylums and things like that and, you know, back and in and out of treatment because it was considered an issue of will. It was considered an issue of weak moral character. And here these guys are coming out, hey, there's a 100 of us, we're recovered, we have a way of life, but you're really sick. It's a hopeless state of mind and body. And we have a doctor here that will back this up with the idea of being a very sick person when people think all the alcoholic needed was a little willpower was pretty groundbreaking. And, I, and again, for me, when I started to understand how important this was, because prior to coming into program, I always thought this was an issue of willpower. And for those of us that are new, if we continue to see this as an issue of willpower, then it's an issue that we think we have to control, just like I did. My family motto pull yourself up by your bootstraps all it takes is a little willpower I didn't understand that I was combating a disease of a mind and body but I kept thinking that I had to control it and as long as we come into the premise of, of reading this book and thinking that there's still something we can do or there's something we should be doing then we are lost because the premise of step one is admitting we were powerless over food and that our lives have become The understanding that we are sick at that premise is so very important, why? Because of the mental obsession, you know we have some slogans that go around in the room they're kind of tongue in cheek they 're kind of funny, but they're not and they go like this: When I get up in my mind, i'm in enemy territory, you know i'm not in a good neighborhood, or I have a disease that tells me I don't have a disease. I have a disease that gets up in my head, wants to isolate me, and kill me because that's what the mind will tell you. It says in step one in the twelve and twelve that we have warped our minds to such destructive eating and drinking that our mind doesn't differentiate the true from the false. So it's really important for me to understand that it's not willpower, it's the fact that I am sick. I mean, I remember my sponsor telling me the first year of recovery that everything you think is wrong and that if you really think about something very strongly, then you're really, really wrong. You know, and how it works, it says, you know, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough at some of these measures we balked. We thought we could find an easier, softer way. This is what our mind, I'm saying to the newcomer, this is what your mind is going to tell you that, oh, no, you don't have to do this much. And, oh, no, what your sponsor is saying is crazy. That's not going to work. Well, you know, we need to remind ourselves who got us here. It's not the sponsor trying to help you. It's you and yourself, me, myself, and I. You know, we have to remember that we are powerless, that we need to follow this prescription precisely. When I go to a soda machine... If it's $0.75 cents to get the soda, I've got to put all of the $0.75 cents into the soda machine. I can't put $0.50 cents in there and hope to get the soda. You know, half measures have failed us, nothing. We stood at the turning point. We abandoned ourselves, well, with complete abandon, you know, and that's what we do. We abandon ourselves completely to this program. Why? Because we have a disease. You know, if I'm a little bit sick, you know, or I have the flu or whatever, you know, I may try to diagnose myself, and I may take some cold medicine and hope that I get better, but if I know that I'm very sick with a disease, I, I don't put a doctor to myself. I get the heck out there, and I go to a specialist, and I ask, what is the prescription? What is it you need me to do? What medicine do I need to take to be cured of this disease? I don't try to do it on my own. And what they're saying here is that we have a disease and we have a way out. We have a cure. We have a way that you can be recovered one day at a time. You may never be cured, but you will be recovered one day at a time. You will be free of this mental obsession. But here's what you have to do and that you are sick and what you are thinking is not right. And beware that along this path you're going to start, you may balk somewhere, but remember, remember where you've come from and remember how you. You got here and remember that we are already standing in front of you saying that we are recovered and we have the prescription for your disease to get you out of that hopeless state
0: of mind and body and with that i'll pass thank you amy why don't we move on robin will you please read the next paragraph
6: sure this is robin i'm a compu- uh, recovered compulsive overeater it is important that we remain anonymous because we are too few at present to handle the overwhelming number of personal appeals which may result from this publication.
3: <clears throat>
6: Being mostly business or professional folk, we could not well carry on our occupations in such an event. We would like it understood that our alcoholic work is an avocation. When writing or speaking publicly about alcoholism, we urge each of our fellowship to omit his first his personal name, designating himself instead as a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Well, <clears throat> I too, like Christy, have been um abstinent and recovering since two thousand one. And um why how is that possible? It's it's possible because this program was um, it, um it didn't change since 1939. It's or 19. It you know since the 1930s, this program hasn't changed. And what um, our founders were doing here with this forward? Well, first of all, there you know we're. I'm in the fourth edition. I'm not sure which book you all are looking at, but before each of these new editions came out, they would add a forward to it. Um, the editors, kind of like a, I kind of think like a holiday letter that a family might send out. You know, showing we're still here. Um, this is what's happened in the intervening time. And this was the first edition, the forward to the first edition that we're reading right now. And what I believe they were trying to do was prepare us for what's to come, um, showing us some of the, the, maybe preparing us for some of the mistakes that might happen along the way that could harm this program as a whole. And um, one of the things that I, I see here is that, you know, the idea of anonymity um each one of us, as we come in, has pretty pretty severe ego issues, probably, <laughs> otherwise we wouldn't be in the probably. if we wouldn't have gotten ourselves in the trouble that we got into and I see that this is a way to protect the group from the ego of the individual um you know the the group is something that needs to be um protected at all costs because of the fact that it's what holds us up and carries us and um teaches the program to us so Being mostly business or professional folk, we could not well carry on our occupation in such an event. We work this program while we continue to live our lives. Most of us are not able to step out of life, go into treatment, take a year off, you know, get sober, get abstinent. Uh, Most of us are also living parallel lives and bringing this program out into the world so that the lives we live are healthier. And in the beginning, of course, um, that's, it's not going to happen right away for most of us. There are very few burning – well, some people have burning bush experiences. The rest of us have um, experience of the educational variety where it may take quite a while to grow up. Um, and being out in the world, continuing to earn my living, taking care of my family, uh, the idea is that you know, I'm, I'm out there in the world living this program – and living in a healthy fashion. And um, so the anonymity, you know, what, what they're setting in place here is a protection for the group, a protection for the individual and the newcomer as they come into the group. Um, because I see personally for myself that there is no way that I would have been able to get down to causes and conditions of all those character defects that drove the bus that caused me to pick up the food in the first place. There's no way I would have been able to get down to those causes and conditions without the anonymity that we have in our group, so that I was able, have been able to talk about my issues, and know that people aren't going to carry that out into the world, um, put it on, you know, the front page of the newspaper. You know, they're just going to keep it to themselves because they know that I need the anonymity and that they also need the anonymity. Um, so. uh, designating himself as a member of Alcoholics rather than um, we urge each of our fellowship to omit his personal name, name designating himself instead as a member of Alcoholics. And this is in the the public forum. Uh, You know, if I have a fall and I've got OA attached to my personal name and the world sees that I've had a fall, then they're going to think there's something wrong with OA. So anonymity is really important, and I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Robin. Who else
0: would like to share on these two paragraphs? This is Kim. Kim, go ahead, please.
3: Good morning, Christy. I think that um, Robin just gave a beautiful definition of, of anonymity, so I want to let you kind of know what anonymity is not. You know, I think for so many of us, You know, this is a very isolating disease, and we use anonymity as a way to hide from each other. You know, anonymity is about outside the fellowship, just like Robin explained, so that people will not worship certain people and recognize this is a collective group, a collective um, people. So I know so many times in the room we're like, well, anonymity, we can't tell each other each other's last names. We can't tell each other any personal information to a certain extent and, you know, watch how you leave your voicemails and all these different things. We should not be hiding from each other and we should not be hiding from our family. How will people understand this program works if we don't let people know that we're in OA? You know, I two years ago I, I had an accident and I was put in the hospital um, and had to have emergency surgery and everything. If anyone in a way wanted to find me, they wouldn't. They would have had no idea. They would have said, that, "Do you happen to have a Kim in this hospital?" Because nobody knew my last name. You know, so anonymity is about outside the fellowship. Inside the fellowship, we we know each other's last names. We are involved with each other's families. We are a support system through this process. So to be hiding from our family members, to be hiding from people in other meetings, is only inhibiting our own recovery and our own ability to carry this message. Because when I walk out into the world, I might be the only version of the big book that anyone is ever going to see. And if I hide the fact that I have found this solution in Overeaters Anonymous, individually, not to the press and everything, but to an individual person, I'm, I'm not carrying that message. And maybe that person doesn't need the message, but maybe their family member does. And I know for myself, one of the reasons that I always hid that was because I didn't believe OA worked. I believed that it was another diet program that was just going to fail and I was going to be embarrassed when I I screwed up this time. But anonymity is about protecting the collective from the outside world. It is not about protecting ourselves from each other. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Kim. Who else would like to share on these two paragraphs? Just do I like to share? Sure, go ahead. Good
2: morning to Compulsive Overeater and Recovering. Um, I I was looking at anonymity, and, and the reason why anonymity at this time in 1939 was so important to these um, professionals, it was because they were professionals. They were businessmen. They were doctors. They were lawyers. They were um you know, Wall Street people, and they were very few at the time. And it says it very clearly here that for them to uh, carry this event out, you know, it would, and, and I'm, they, they didn't read this uh, part of it, but it, I think it ties in with all the paragraphs. It says, very earnestly, we ask the press also to observe this request, for otherwise we should be greatly handicapped. And, you know, with with the work that they were doing, it says... That the alcoholic work was the navigation was done during their free time during it was a hobby uh, of theirs. Um, It wasn't their professions. Um, So for them to have all these people know who they were, could you imagine having a doctor come in and have three thousand patients that are alcoholics and all of a sudden want you know want what? what this person has, it would be an overwhelming response if, if everyone would go to this one person. Um, so they had to keep anonymity at that time um, to safeguard them from, from being overwhelmed with their own professions as they did this work. Um, and it says, when, when writing or speaking publicly about alcoholism, we urge each in our fellowship to admit his personal name designating himself instead as a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, and why was that also? Because at the time, you know, in 1939, there was a lot of hype about, you know, alcoholism and, and this book and um, what it was producing. And so people from the press, from the radio, from the television were all getting involved in, in um, wanting to know more about, you know, about the book and, Wanting to know more about alcoholism, and so this was a safeguard for the fellowship at that time, which were very few in number. There were about a hundred and more, um, but very few at the time, and so they had to protect their anonymity. Does that mean that today um, we do the same? Well, anonymity, you know, today we do still hold it at the public um, at, at the public radio, press, and television where we, we follow these directions. But do we keep anonymity from ourselves? No, not not in the conventional sense, but in the spiritual sense, you know, um, we know who we are, um, we fellowship with one another, um, but like Kim said, you know, if if I'm going into the hospital and the fellowship doesn't know my last name. They, they wouldn't know how to help me. They wouldn't know how to come to me. And so that's not what it's speaking about. But it's also speaking about to a degree of confidentiality where I'm not going around telling other professionals or other people about who's in the fellowship. You know, I don't go and break anonymity at that level. Um, you know, in, in conveying uh, personal information to other people about who's in the fellowship, who's not, who's doing this, who's doing that. In that sense, the, the, the um, twelve step there of anonymity is a spirituality where we keep confidentiality uh, or confidential information. So that's what I've understood about uh, the anonymity in, in these aspects. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Du. Who else would like to share on these two paragraphs? Why don't we move on? Marcia, would you please read, why don't you read the um, last paragraph on XIII and then the next paragraph that goes to the next page?
1: Marcia, can you press star one to unmute?
0: About, Katie, are you available to read?
7: Yes, this is Katie, a compulsive reader. So I start with very earnestly. Yes, thank you. And then that next paragraph. Okay, I'm just going to go ahead and maybe do can do or whoever it was can
0: do the next. One, okay, I, uh, Marcia, I mean, I'm so
3: sorry.
0: Oh, Marsha, are you there?
3: I'm here. I'm sorry, my oh,
0: that's a, that's okay. Um, that's okay. We'll catch you in a minute, Katie. Go ahead, Marsha. All right, thank you. I'm sorry.
3: I'm Marsha. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Very earnestly, we ask the press also to observe this request, for otherwise, we should be greatly handicapped. We are not an organization in the conventional sense of the word. There are no fees or dues whatsoever. The only requirement for membership is an honest desire to stop drinking. We are not allied with any particular faith, sect, or denomination, nor do we oppose anyone.
7: We simply wish to be helpful to those who are afflicted. I
3: think what I realized when I read these paragraphs uh, is that look at the time at the first printing, there were really there were no formal traditions. Those were not codified until much later. And to, to think that they that they are operating without a set of traditions, I mean, I I think that's something that I, I tend to take for granted is that we've got this whole program here that is set and 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 working for people thousands and thousands and thousands of people have recovered as a result and it's just so so it it, these are the precursors of the of the uh, traditions i mean this first little paragraph this is a we very earnest very earnestly we ask the press also to observe this request for otherwise we shall be greatly handicapped and i don't think they mean just handicapped in the sense of there's going to be a lot of people calling and a lot of people wanting to, to, to inundate them with requests for help. But this has a tendency, I mean, press and radio has a tendency to produce egos inadvertently. So I think that there was the, the handicap was also a, a protection against uh, um, the, the introduction of egos into, into it. So I, I, I love that, that they were so sensitive to, to the idea that, 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 Popularity or, or prestige could be a result of, of attention from the media, but um, we're not an organization in the conventional sense of the word. Yes, there is no real leader of this. I mean, there there are no there are no fees. It's not a Shriners Club. It's not a you know a, a diet calories club. Um, and the only re- the re- only requirement for membership is desi- desire to stop stop drinking. There's there's nothing keeping anybody from becoming a member of AA or OA. Um, If you have the desire and you go to a meeting, then you're a member. Um, And and to to open this up to everybody, we're, we're we're not going to limit who we're going to be available to. We're here for the person who is sick. We're here for the person who wants to recover from compulsive overeating, over and under eating and we simply wish to be helpful to those who are afflicted. That is a real message of humbleness and service to a higher power. We're here to be of service today and hopefully for many 24 hours to come. And with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Marsha. Would anyone else like to share on these paragraphs? This is Kim. Kim, go ahead.
3: Good morning again, everyone. The line just jumps out at me, the only requirement for membership is an honest desire to stop drinking. You know, if you read our, our third tradition, it says the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop compulsively overeating or stop drinking. It doesn't say honest anymore. And that's because they realized as, the, as AA was growing, a lot of people were going there not with an honest desire. They wanted someone off their backs. The courts were telling them they had to go to a meeting all that kind of stuff, so that word was dropped out. But what I had to recognize when I came in, I didn't have an honest desire to stop eating. I had an honest desire to stop be fat anymore. I didn't want the consequences of my behavior. What I wanted you to show me was how do I eat moderately? Tell me how to enjoy three pieces of my binge food. Tell me how to sit down at a table and have half of something and be able to walk away and not be tortured that half of it is sitting here on the plate. So what they're saying here, we have to have an honest desire to stop. We have to understand that we have this allergy of the body that once we ingest certain substances, our body is going to demand, absolutely demand that we eat more. And that doctor opinion, doctor's opinion tells us that the only relief they have to suggest is entire abstinence, entire, 100%. You recognize that food is an allergy food. That is your alcohol. You can never, ever, ever, ever have it, have it again. And then you run towards a spiritual experience, which will give you the miracle of not wanting to eat that anymore. I'm just going to read from more about alcoholism. So we need that desire to stop. It says here on page 34, for those who are unable to drink moderately, the question is how do we stop altogether? We are assuming, of course, that the reader desires to stop. Whether such a person can quit upon a non-spiritual basis depends upon the extent which he has already lost the power to choose whether he will drink or not. Many of us felt that we had plenty of character. There was a tremendous urge to cease forever, yet we found it impossible. This is the baffling feature of alcoholism as we know it, this utter inability to leave him alone no matter how great the necessity or the wish. So that's how we come into Overeaters Anonymous. The only requirement for membership is an honest desire to stop drinking. And that's a very important question that we have to ask ourselves. And and because until we can do that, we can't surrender to this process. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you, Kim. And thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Katie, will you please read a vision for you? Am
7: I unmuted? Yes, you are. are. Okay, sorry. I just went back and forth so many times. Okay, I'm Katie a Recovered, Compulsive Overeater in Virginia. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order.